0: that out. That's the series we've been doing. And uh, today we're going to look between the lines. We're going to finish up and we're going to be asking, is it my will or is it thy will? And that's what we're going to look at today. Is it our desires or is it the desires of the heartbeat of our heavenly father? Somewhere on your outline, it's not there, but I want you to jot it down. Isaiah chapter 14, specifically verses 12 and 13. And later, you might want to take a look at that, the whole chapter. But this particular section draws us to a great story. The NIV in Isaiah 14 calls Lucifer the fall of Lucifer, he calls him the morning star and the angel who was very, very beautiful, who one day decided that he was jealous of all the attention that God was getting. And if you are summarize, if you were to summarize the mission and heartbeat of Lucifer, you would have to agree with me. There are two words that capture the essence of who he was. I'm going to read them. They're on the screen. You see if you can capture those two words. I will ascend to heaven. I will rise, raise my throne. I will sit enthroned on the mount assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Now I've cheated and I've helped you a little bit, just in case you struggle. But what are those two words that characterize the very heartbeat of Lucifer? How many times... Before we point fingers at old Lucifer, how many times have we said, I will? I will. Contrast that with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, not I will, but your will. Your will. Lucifer wanted everyone to worship Him. Jesus wanted everyone to worship God. Lucifer wanted Himself to be made known. Jesus wanted His Father to be made known. Lucifer wanted His will. Jesus wanted the will of the Father. And that battle between light and darkness still rages today in the hearts and lives of God's believers. Will it be my will or will it be your will? And Today we conclude the four-week study. We're going to look at three phases that we go through as we move toward a surrendered life in Christ. Phase number one goes like this. When you want what you want, now. When you want what you want, now. How many of you would say, at least in some area of your life, you battle with that very thing? I want it, but I want it now. There's a great example of this in Genesis 16. There's a married couple that appears here. And verse 1 it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And, of course, they wanted kids, and they wanted them now. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Now, I'm not so sure I'd want to name my daughter Hagar, but she was named Hagar. And so, Sarai, taking matters into her own hands, says to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. This story captures the very phase, number one, I want it, and I want it now. She was tired of waiting, wasn't she? God had promised her to, in him to be the, Abraham would be the father of many nations. Well, he can't be a father of a nation without any children. So at 90, she's deciding to take things into her own hands. Now, I don't know how many of you ladies are near 90. And if you are, I'm not sure how many of you are ready to be pregnant again and ready to deliver a child. Young people are supposed to do that. They wanted it. God told them they were going to have it. Well, they wanted it, and they wanted it now. You know, I've discovered in my own life that I try to take too many shortcuts. I try to get God to understand that if I'll just take, if we'll just do it this way, it should work out okay. And then I convince myself that I've heard from God that that's really what He wants me to do. Do I have any friends out there that would would say, Yeah, that's me, brother? <laughs> okay. You know, it doesn't play out too well, does it? I want a new car. I want it now. maybe in all all kinds of debt, unless you're in some kind of freaky emergency, chances are you've surrendered to materialism, bought what you wanted before you really could afford it. You wanted what you wanted, but you wanted it right now, and now you're paying interest on that, which meant perhaps something God should have had outside of His will for you. I want a new house. I mean, I've got to have one. I've got to have a bigger kitchen. I've got to have a four-bedroom house because we've only got a three-bedroom house, and if we're going to have that third kid, you know, you cannot raise godly children if they have to share a room. How many of you grew up sharing a room with somebody? Boy, look how you turned out. I learned the hard way about this. I was, I was fifth of five boys. So in other words, I got shoved down to the last on everything. Because if you're the last, you get to be last. So I slept on a pallet on the floor because there weren't any beds for me to sleep on. Worked out okay because the only swamp cooler air that my dad had was in their bedroom. <laughs> and that would come across them and then hit that old wooden floor, and sli- and that's where I slept. That's where that w- wind would hit me. My brother sweat, and I didn't. I loved it but I slept on the floor for a long, long time until one of them decided to. he turned 18 he left. I thought, woohoo. hoo Little did I know that I was going to get the worst bed that was in there, not any bed. floor felt, felt a lot better. But there were three of us sharing one bedroom. My mom and dad had their room. They had one bathroom and a single-car garage. And lo and behold, my little sister was born. I thought, we're in trouble. Because we're running out of beds here. My dad took the single car garage. Turned it into her whole bedroom. Walk in closet. Enough room for two beds, three beds, 20 beds. Were we allowed to go in there? She's no longer with us. I, I took care of her years ago. <laughs> no. But I learned a valuable lesson about pecking order. Boys don't really mean a whole lot, girls mean everything. And the hierarchy of rooms at your house. As you know, you just can't share a room and, and raise godly kids. Well, I know I'm not married, and some would say, but but I've got needs, you know. I mean, hey, 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 I can't wait. What are you talking about? I've got needs, and I don't need to go into more detail. I want that piece of cake. In fact, I want the whole cake, and I want it right now. I'm not going to hold off. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to be disciplined to, to hold off anything. Are you kidding me? That's what's wrong with the American church today, is it not? One of the great weaknesses, I believe, is that we live under this theology of happiness. Somehow, if I'm happy, it must be God's will. If I'm going through rough times, it can't be God's will that I'm going to go through rough times. I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. I oftentimes see that happiness is not the bottom line of lives, but instead, holiness should be. Because if we're seeking, striving for holiness... Happiness becomes a byproduct of our relationship with God, you see. My daughter-in-law struggled to have a baby the other day. She didn't struggle a lot, but she had a she struggled to have a baby. Well, she, I called her Pioneer Woman. She drove from Inola to the hospital and walked in. And then they said, oh, you're not going home. You're going to have a baby today. And I'd expected ambulances or something. Somebody come get me. We read Proverbs nineteen twenty one. It's there in your notes. How many are the plans in a man's heart? Say it out loud. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But then say it out loud again. What's the, what's the result? But it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Remember the providential will and the moral will and somewhere in between our personal will God's going to be who God is and he's going to do what God's going to do and there ain't nothing you can do to stop it. He's going to come back. He said he was. He's going to come back. You can pray against it. You can pray for it. You can say when it's going to happen, when it's not going to happen. You can believe that 20... By the way, 12, 12, 12, when that happens, we're supposed to be done according to the Mayan calendar. (laughs) How'd that work out for the Mayans? I'm just trying to say. But 12, 12, 12, on the... On midnight, on 12, 12, 12, December 12th, there's no reason to buy Christmas gifts. Because <laughs> on 12, 12, 12, it's all over according to the Mayan calendar. Jesus said, I'm going to come back and no man knows the hour, but my Father knows the hour. I'll come like a thief in the night. I've never had a thief yet call me and say, hey, Brother Harold, <laughs> come by your house, going to steal everything you got. I haven't had one yet do that. I mean, they're getting pretty brazen. You know, <laughs> that may be the next thing. We want it. Phase one, we want it. We want it now. Phase two, you want what God wants, but. <laughs> you want what God wants, but. You see, we honestly are pursuing what our Heavenly Father wants, but we've put in an escape clause. We've added some fine print to the contract, and we're expecting God to reach a standard that we're not even willing to live ourselves. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. I want what God wants, but... I would argue strongly that every single one of us, without exception, have a but in our lives. And what I'm fixing to say may offend you. Don't take it that way. Because some of us have big butts. <laughs> with one teeth. Stay with me. Well, I ain't going to listen to them Stay with me. Because that butt is getting in the way of hearing God's will in your life. I want what God wants, but. I take you to Mark chapter 10. Jesus having a conversation with a really rich young entrepreneur, young ruler. Jesus realized that this guy had a problem. The problem wasn't wealth. In fact, the Bible doesn't even talk about being wealthy as a problem. The problem that this guy had that the Bible discusses is how wealth had taken over him. (laughs) You see, it's not the wealth that's the problem. It's that you love that wealth more than you love God. And so this young man had an issue. And so... In chapter 10 of uh, Mark, and we're at verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the Bible describes the man's face fell because he realized he had great wealth and he was sad. Because he also realized that in order for him to do what God's called him to do, he was going to have to give all of that up. See, So many of us want to serve God. I want you to be in my life, God. But we have a big old... You say it. There you go. I feel better now that you're saying it. Rich Younger really wanted to follow Jesus, but he wanted to do it on his terms the number one problem in our self-centered, consumeristic, meistic American church as a whole, including us today, my opinion lies in that statement. We want what God wants, but. We want what God wants, but. Now let me give you some examples of that. Adam and Eve... Intimate fellowship with God. God walked among them. Can you imagine that? God walked, God came and talked to them. Uh huh. But they wanted to eat that forbidden fruit. Jonah, we want to worship God, but I don't want to preach to those low-down, no-good Ninevites. What do you mean I got to go to Glenpool? What do you mean I got to go to 70-person mingo and Union, hot. they're not even they're not even godly over there. Sound like Jonah, doesn't it? How about old David in the Old Testament? a man after God's own heart? <laughs> He's looking at God, isn't he? And then one day, he goes, "Hello." He gets his eyes on Bathsheba too. How about Peter in the New Testament? going to be a follower of Jesus. But I don't want to die with Jesus. I don't even know who he is. About the disciples, they wanted the kingdom of God, but they didn't want the kingdom of God set up here. They wanted, in, they, I mean, they, they wanted it here. They didn't want it in heaven. They wanted it here. They could rule and Lord over people. Sounds just like us. How does it play out in our lives? Some people say, "Well, I got to get married before I'm thirty because that biological clock's ticking, and I won't be able to have kids anymore." Hey, Sarah was ninety. Relax. <laughs> I want what God wants, but I've got to stay in this house. I I can't move from this place. God wants. I want what God wants, but I just can't do that. I can't move. I can't possibly do that. I want what God wants. I'll go on one of those short-term mission trip things, but don't make me move over there. I mean, I want to do what God wants me to do, but I really don't want to be uncomfortable. Out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I'd like to be a part of River Oaks Church, but... Don't ask me to serve. I've had one person in my 18 years of pastoring your church, our church, being your pastor, who's literally told me truthfully, I asked them why they stopped coming. They said, well, because you need helpers. And listen, we don't want to help. We just want to sit in the back and just. They were honest. (laughs) They were honest. I want to consume, but I don't want to give back. I want to drop my kids off and let somebody who's very more much more faithful than I am minister to them every week. I want to be this spiritual consumer rather than a contributor, and I haven't said a word about money yet. maybe you're going to maybe you'll take the challenge that i'm going to do this week i'm going to ask myself. This question. What but is in the way of God's will in my life? What big old but do I have in the way of God's will coming to fruition in my life? I want to help you get your butt out of the way. I want you to help me get my butt out of the way. And don't misinterpret the word I'm using. Because you see, when we have a butt in the way, it's a sin. Let's confess it, let's own it, and let's move past it. Because we're loaded with them, aren't we? I want to serve God, but. Titus 1.16 There are those who claim to know God and then say it out loud with me. They claim to know God but their actions they deny Him. Phase 1 I want what I want and I want it now. Phase 2 I want God's will but qualifications exist. Phase 3 and that's where I hope we all live. If not that we will get there. Phase 3 When you want what God wants period. When you want what God wants, period. No ifs, no ands, no ors, no maybes, no perhaps, no onlys, no buts. I want what God wants. period. Now let's watch how this works. Luke 9:23. Jesus said to all of them, "If anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself and then he must what? How often Well, now, Jesus, you know, Sunday, really, it's my only time to sleep in. And I really get tired working the hours that I have to work. So I need some rest, Jesus. So I I know I ought to be at church. But, uh uh-oh, what did I just say? we're supposed to take it up daily. Deny ourselves. They're interesting. Greek word, our neomai. This word deny. It means to disavow, to disavow ourselves. We're no longer loyal to our own desires, only the desires of Christ. It means to Contradict. It means to reject. We reject our own will. So that we can experience. His will. It means we deny ourselves. We refuse ourselves. Woo. That's huge. Especially for an overweight guy. Because I've, I've. I've had a hard time. Refusing myself. When the trigger goes off. I just go feed it. Well, I'm on an emotional roller coaster. I'll even make up the roller coaster just so I can say I got one. My granddaughter. Now, this was a this was a granddad's. This was my. I, I mean, I'm obligated. When your granddaughter says, "Grandpa, we need to go to Bronx." I mean, listen, she's four. How could I disappoint that face? We went. I had the junior size yogurt. I could have had that other stuff that was all up on the board. How do, how do they make those pictures so nice? And those pictures talk to me. I don't know about you, but I, I sit in those pictures and go, Eat me, eat me. Oh, it's ugly. It's ugly. That little cherry thing was, "Hey, boy!" <laughs> yeah. But this—the essence of this word is that you're, that you're going to reject yourself. Is that not awesome? And Jesus is saying you must reject yourself if you're going to follow Him. And every day, take up your cross and whatever it is you put fill in the blank, take it up and follow. See, so often. We just give little prayers and we hope that those prayers are going to get us, get, get for us a get out of hell free card and a get into heaven free card. And that's really all we want. We don't really want the surrender thing. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be out of my comfort zone. But when we do that, when we don't just pray, but we live it, we mean it, it becomes you. It's no longer about you. Let me promise you that Jesus will lead you somewhere you've never could have gone on your own. You can never get there. But you can never experience his will when it's all about you. And there's a but in your statement. Jesus and Lucifer. Jesus said I will. Lucifer. Or Lucifer said I will. Jesus said. And Incredible pain. His blood and sweat are coming from his brow. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus had a moment when I would say he was probably in phase two. That's when he, according to Matthew 26, 39, he said, Father, if it's possible, may this cup of suffering be taken from me. That's phase two. God, you know what I want. But if there's any other way, that I can avoid this hurt? Is there any other way I can avoid this? But then he said, not my will, but your will be done. Period. Period. Got up, and then went through the motions, and ended up at the cross. In your own life, have you come to the place where you have completely exhausted your own strength? Your own ways let me tell you if you're not convinced that the way of Jesus is best I want you to keep trying it your way oh you can keep coming to church yeah just keep coming to church just sit in church listen to sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon don't apply a thing that's ever been said to you just keep coming because you're going to look like Casey Christian. Occasionally, drop a twenty in the plate. You're going to feel good about yourself by doing that. When we when we take up th- when we bring in food for the pantry, bring your can of soup. Amen. Amen. Make sure you go through your pantry and find the ones that are nearly expired, because those are the ones you want to bring to the church. Amen. You don't want to go get new ones. Just bring your old stuff. That's your, yeah. You know, you're going to upgrade to a 70 inch uh, DVD screen. You know, I mean, uh, plasma, all that stuff. And you're going to bring that old Montre. Mon- well, thank the preacher. You might need that down the church house, don't you? Yeah, where are we going to put the 15th one that's been brought? Let's give it away. Let's give it away. We'll find somebody that needs it. Are you getting where I'm going? Just keep doing what you're doing. Pursue material things. Take as much, uh, you know, try to make as much money as you can. Hoard it. Consume it. Go through people. Use and abuse them for your own pleasure. Make a name for yourself. Pursue glory and fame and all that stuff. Pursue it and wake up one day because I will guarantee you that you will be empty inside. As you know when you're on that road, that destination is not a good place to end up. Psalm 37, 4, as we close this morning we're we're told to delight ourselves in the lord and what will happen say it out loud what's god's will well let me tell you what god's will is god's will is to give you the desires of your heart but don't mistranslate that like so many people do God is not a spiritual genie that you rub a lamp and the Holy Spirit jumps out and says, hey, three wishes, they're yours. That's not what he's about. The problem with Hebrew words is Hebrew words, one word, when you try to translate the one word in Hebrew, can have a whole big picture attached to it. It can have a whole different look just by one word in the Hebrew. And that word for delight in this passage in Psalm is the Hebrew word anag. It means literally to become soft and pliable. Like my grandson's body. At one day old, you don't just grab him by the hand and pull him up. He's just a lump of, a lump of dough. Pull his arm out of socket. No, you delicately put all the hands and everything under him, right? And you cradle him. I was watching them burp him after they fed him. He got he just kind of slumped down like a little sack of potatoes. Little head fell over here like this. Because he doesn't have any anything to hold it up. He'd throw his head around. I wanted to go and hit Jeff Like say, hold it, boy, you know. I just kept looking down at the floor saying, Jesus, help me, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, boy, he let out a burp, though. Oh, yeah, squashed him down. Something had to get out of there. (laughs) And then when he laid him down, some other things did come. It was awesome. (laughs) But this is a nag. It means to be soft and pliable. It means you lose yourself in Him. You lose yourself in Him and you find great joy. Because it's in Him. You begin to hear His voice. You begin to sense Him in a way you've never before. You begin to follow Him. The promptings come more than they have in the past. Because now you're soft and you're pliable. We need to be a nagged in our life. We need to be that way. Have you spent time with God so that He imparts to you that soft pliable and moldable heart that He wants in each of us. Let's pray together. God, I want to ask you that in your holy and divine presence that we would die to ourselves. That we would deny everything about us That is not you. That we would be able to get ourselves out of the way so that like Jesus we could say, not our will, but your will be done. God, I believe there are those right here, right now at this moment. There's more of them than there is of God. You want us to want what you want. but they've fallen into phase one and they want it now. Or they've fallen into phase two and there's this big old butt in the way. They're saying they want what you want. But they're putting up qualifications that's holding you back. God, what I want to do is what I want to challenge these in every seat here and that they make that seat today their altar before you is that they sacrifice themselves. They are the offering. God, we, we lay down our lives. We lay down our will. And we say, I no longer want what I want. I want what you want. Period. God, if you're leading us down a painful road, may we embrace it. May we let you bring glory to your name. When we feel uncomfortable, may we understand that you're guiding us, carrying us. Do we need to surrender some things to you to get out of the way and let you you live in us? God, if there's some people here that would be honest with you right now, would they raise their hands and say, preacher, that's where I'm at. Preacher, that's where I'm at. Preacher, that's where I'm at. God, I hope that they'll live a surrendered life. God, I want to pray for them. I, I pray for everyone that lifted their hand. I pray that you would empower them to deny themselves, come to the end of their own strength, abilities, and desires, plans, and goals. And they would just simply say, not me, God, it's you. It's all you. they're going to have a great marriage it's because you're a great God they're going to be strong and generous financially it's because of you God your principles are true and blessed and pure God if you're going to overcome if they're going to overcome an addiction it's not by their strength it's by your strength God would you empower them for women I'm praying that they will let your spirit be their strength for men, I'm praying that they will allow you to use them to lead. Empower us all to do what we cannot do on our own. And like John the Baptist, we must decrease, Christ must increase. And so, Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm ready to give you my whole life today. And I pray that there's others who will follow me in that statement. Because it's not about me, it's all about you. And Jesus, save us, forgive us, change us. And I believe that you died for me so I can live for you. Help me lose my life in you so I can find your life in me. Take it all. Take it all. May I be a nagged. May I be soft and pliable so you can do what you need to do. For your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. We always sing a song of invitation.